You're listening to another episode of The Zag. Excited to be joined by a 2018 fellow, a recent alum. Harugan Zayed is here. He's also the 2019 NLC Institute co-director. So make sure to check out the mini pod where he's talking a little bit about that experience. But we got him on to talk about what he's up to these days and a little bit of his life story. So thanks for listening. Let's get to it. All right, Armagon, you are a student in life these days. What are you a student of? Yes, yes, yes. So I just started uh, B-School at USC Marshall, uh, which is pretty awesome because it, it still keeps me connected to downtown LA, but I just started in July. So they, they start their business school rather early. Uh, so folks are surprised that I'm, I, uh, you know, I just began. Yeah. And was this the only kind of professional school you're interested in? Was, was law or policy in the mix or always was going to be business school or bust? Yeah. So I, you know, my wife always jokes about the fact that school was always going to be <laughs> in my future again and again. Mm. Uh, and I think B school was always going to be that, uh, choice for me because I just felt like mm. business is at the intersection of some of the most important choices that take place on a daily basis. And I felt like that is a place that could have more of an equity lens. That is a place that could also be more inclusive. Um, and I felt like I could be that voice. So for me, that was going to be where I was going to end up. And then were you considering business school before the NLC fellowship that you just completed? Or was that something that became more top of mind as you went through it? Yeah, that was, that was actually, it came, NLC came at such a good time for me at that stage because I had, um, I was thinking about going to business school. I was really evaluating whether that was something that I wanted to do. And part of my ELP question, in fact, that the, the, the main thing I asked my my cohort was if that was the right move for me at a time where I felt like um, a lot of the stuff that I had been doing on the tech side for campaigns was taking off. And while I could take t- time to, to, to go to school for two years, I also felt like this could be time that I could spend building out what I was, what I had been doing in terms of um, my, my community organizing work uh, with tech tools. So um, yeah, that, that came at such a good time where my, my core really guided me towards what, what I felt was a good decision, which was to attend business school. And then what's the course, lo- course load like for you this semester? What kind of things are you taking? Yeah, it's, it's been pretty crazy. So we do these three mini terms. We've done three courses already for over a three week stretch. Right now I'm doing five courses. Uh, most of them are quantitative. So I'm doing corporate finance, statistics, accounting. Um, and then I'll do another five courses from October all the way till December. So all in all, 13 courses in about six, what, five months. And yeah. uh, then I get a bit more space to do electives next uh, semester. So that's going to be fun. But, you know, I, I love it. I, I love the challenge of learning so many different things and figuring out ways in which I can apply them, you know. And would you say the graduate school experience is not necessarily devoid of of current context or current reality, but like how much of what's going on in present day politically or in the city or in the business world in general comes into school or is it ends up being something where you actually are able to kind of remove yourself and kind of just concentrate on the principles of business as a whole? Yeah. So I think, I think one of the things that I realized was the fact that there's an empathy gap um, that seems to be perpetuating itself across the board. And I found that when I went to business school, uh, that uh, when I started at business school, I just found that people felt even more insulated from the goings-ons of what was happening, specifically on the, the social justice side of things. And one thing that I actually took on as like a personal project of mine, and I've shared this with some folks, is I started doing these story of self-sessions 
where I have, um, I just hit up my fellow classmates and I'm like, Hey, can I grab lunch with you? And let's just sit down. And for 30 to 45 minutes, let's work on your story. And what that's allowed me to do is basically figure out ways in which I can create uh, as many stories as possible or help people craft as many of their stories as possible. And then bring all these people together to really talk about their stories and, and really try to start a, start creating an inclusive environment that includes some of the experiences that don't get talked about, specifically for underrepresented student, you know, students coming from underrepresented um, groups. And I think that is the part of the business school education that I think is missing. Um, and I think that is the part that I feel like I can, and NLC was like, I was like, oh my God, I need to take so many of these experiences and try to bring them into academia. I, I wonder if we'll end up flipping sort of green and red cards at some point in time in my oh, business school experience. Uh, but I feel like that 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 experience is so important, like allowing people to share their full selves so that then you can understand some of the things that they're going through that typically you don't relate to to the academic experience, but are just as relevant uh, when you think about what's been going on politically. Do people look at you like you're crazy when you ask them to do these lunches? What kind of responses are you getting? So I'm about 42 people in. Which uh, okay. for a class so of two hundred and yeah, I mean, like, look, I think this part is out. Yeah, the word is out, and now I've, I've, that's only been first years. And today, I did a second year who was like, I keep hearing about the story sessions you're doing, and you're making people cry. And I said, Look, man, I it's not like I'm make, making people cry. I'm just asking them what their story is and what makes them go every day, and what is their why, so that I can understand what they want to do with their lives. Um, and next next week on uh, September 25th, I'm actually gathering all these 40 people, having them sit together and then share their stories with each other. Um, and I think the adoption of it seems to make me feel like there's a need. There's a need to connect at a deeper level, to bridge this empathy gap so that we can be more united than divisive. And I think even in business school, I think people realize that disconnect, that I think we've just become so polarized that now there's a desire to reach across and to know. And I think... Part of what what NLC has helped me do is just like, if if nobody else comes across to, to bridge that gap, maybe stand up and try to help do that, and maybe other people will join you. Uh, so that was what galvanized me when I was part of NLC, and and it's a habit that I hope to keep for a while. You know, oh, that's fantastic. Love it. When we come back after the short break, we'll ask Armagan a little bit about his story of self. Stay tuned. So do you get a chance to talk a little bit about yourself as well in these meals? And, and if not, uh, we'll put you on the spot here. Like, what are, what are some of the, the main aspects of your story of self that you would want people to know? Yeah, so I, I always get to ask that question. Hey, I told you my story. What about you? I think the parts of my story, and it's, 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 it's such a funny exchange, right? Someone pours their heart out. And I always say, if there are a few things you can know about me, it's the fact that I've been there. I've been an immigrant in three countries, grew up in a Pakistani family. Um, moved around a lot, understand what it's like to, to be in that position, to constantly adjust, to learn a new language. Um, my, my parents moved to Switzerland when I was 14. So I walked into a school where French was vital, you know, widely spoken. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not sure I can speak this language. And, and one thing that I always tell people, which I think always strikes them. And, and, and I, and I, it's one of my sort of like, uh, signature things to say is I learned how to speak in an American accent because I realized having a funny accent would make me really stand out. So I'd go back home and it's a funny story, but I'd actually watch CNN all day. And I just want to talk with that kid because I knew that as soon as I sounded different, I would, I would, I would have a hard time adjusting. So those are things I always pinpoint, which is being different 
was 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 in some ways difficult but to me it gave me that muscle that 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 understanding of what it's like to be on the outside and what it feels like then to be accepted um and then that's a part of a part of my story that i feel really triggers me to try to create as many inclusive spaces that people of all backgrounds feel like they're a part of you know yeah and then you know given all that transpired since since Trump took office on immigration. And, and like you said, you, you lived that experience in, in multiple ways, multiple times. Yeah. Uh, seeing him ch- trying to change immigration policy to some of the lowest levels in 60, 70 years, what are your, I mean, I, I can sort of guess what your feelings on, there are, uh, on that topic are in general, but specifically, what would you want to see a progressive counter message be for that? Yeah. I, I, it's so funny because when he went on that offensive, my parents were going through immigration uh, the immigration process at that time. So the Muslim ban and everything felt so real to me because literally I was getting sort of letters in the mail about certain things that were, you know, documents and stuff like that. So I think progressives from an immigration perspective can definitely have a better message if they focus on the fact that so much of um, what um, this country sits on are the achievements of people who weren't born here or came from you know, you know, a few generations back. That part progressives nail. I think the part that progressives can do a better job on is is really focusing in on um, the multidimensionality of immigrants. So sometimes people just say, oh, immigrants are really good at X. But immigrants are in so many more places than just that one place that is the cookie cutter example. So for example, people will always say, oh, you know, uh, so many immigrants come in and they're entrepreneurs. Yeah, but they're teachers. They're also people that you actually interact, interact with across the board. So that level of, 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 of gradient is so important in showing that it's not just you don't always have to be somebody who starts a business in this country to be a part of the society and to be a valuable member of the society. But that can be somebody who's your neighbor, who has the same realities as you and is trying to be as much a part of this country as you. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah that makes sense. And then when you think about um, what you're watching what you're watching politically, say between now and the midterms, or even between now and 2020, are there any particular races you're following, politicians you're following? What would you advise people to keep an eye on? Yeah, so I, it, it, it's it's really funny you tell me this because I reached out to uh, a, a college friend of mine who's running for school board in San Rafael, very small race, and he was the student council president. And I looked and I reached out to him and I said, hey, man. You might not remember me, but I remember meeting you the first day I started college and he was a student body president. And I said, right now, I just want to be able to do pro bono work for anybody who I can believe in. And to me, doing it at that level, and granted, this is not gubernatorial or senatorial, to me, whatever you can do at whatever level, do it. And I think to me, I'm watching races at the lowest level because to me, and and I've said this to folks in coffee chats. This is a call to action to our generation. We step up in this moment and we have to be able to uh, really deepen that progressive bench. It is on us to be able to do that. And the school, the, the races I'm watching are at the lowest level where I'm seeing new ideas come from folks who are my age, who look like me and who want a piece of that pie and who want to be able to run for senator in 10 years or five years. So to me, those are the races that I want to be a part of. And I think if if folks from the NLC network or even beyond feel like they want to be able to do their part, start at the lowest level and help those people out because there's some great ideas that are just 
percolating right now and they just need folks like us to step forward and help them. Well said. And if folks do want to step forward, remember the NLC applications are open, but they do close on October 1st at noon Pacific time. Get those in. Feel free to reach out to us on our website or through social media if you have any questions on that app. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Zag. You can catch all the past ones on your iPhone, in Google Play, Store, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, you name it, you can find it. Thanks for listening as always. We'll catch you soon. 